Well, good morning, everybody. Good to see you all. Good morning to all of you that are online. Thank you for, uh, for gathering. It's so good to be together. I love it. I love to worship Jesus together. I know I say this every week after worship, but I do love worship. <laughs> a few of you do. I'm glad. It's good. No, we had a great time Friday night. Um, for those of you, uh, it was fairly short notice, but uh, we had a worship night um, on Friday night. We're aiming to do those every month. Now, the next worship night will be um, February the 5th, I believe, and um, it's just a great time to gather together to enjoy encountering and experiencing God uh, in worship, and so I want to just uh, commend that to you. But today, I want to pick up some of the themes that we, came, that we had out of uh, our prophetic words last week. If you weren't here with us, um, you can go online and you can uh, re-watch the message. But uh, last week, we did what we like to do every year, which is to give um, the prophets in our, and prophetic voices in our community uh, an opportunity to share what they feel God is speaking to them uh, for 2021. The process that we go through is that we just ask each of them to hear the Lord individually uh, and then share it with us and then we, um, we, you know, we have them deliver it to you. And what, what always blesses me and amazes me about that is the, the themes that God, that God gives through that. I don't know if you, were, if you were here last week and you noticed a number of the, the people independently hearing the same thing, maybe different ways, but hearing the same thing from the Lord and actually um, you know, giving us some, a roadmap for the year, which is, which is really exciting. So this morning, what I want to do, because last week felt a little bit like drinking from the fire hose, was to pull together some of those words and, um, and just pull together what we see, Ash and I, uh, um, and others as the, as the common themes for, for the year. So I'm going to just, um, I think I've probably got about four, four sort of main points to talk through. Um, I, I started this two weeks ago uh, in Philippians chapter one, chapter three, but I want you to turn to that again this morning. Um, and we're going to start there. Just really some scriptures for the year uh, and then, you know, look at how we can respond to that. So Philippians chapter 3. And um, the first theme that was coming through from our prophetic words was this thing about press on. Or other words, other ways it was put was arise or wake up. To me, that's all sort of speaks of the same thing of pressing into the more that God has for us. And so Philippians chapter 3, verse 12, Paul's talking about uh, his, his um, sharing in the resurrection power of Jesus, sharing in the sufferings, being like him unto death, being um, you know, by any means possible, not being found in his righteousness of his own, but found in the righteousness of God uh, in, in Christ Jesus, the righteousness that comes by faith, which is the gospel. And in verse 12, he says this, not that I have already obtained this, this righteousness, this resurrection, or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on to the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. So just by way of reminder, friends, church family, there's more. There's more to experience of God. There's more. And his invitation, Paul's invitation to us is to press on, to forget what is behind, to lay on, to strain forward to what lies ahead, and to press in for the goal, the prize. The, what is our prize? Our prize is Jesus himself. 
And there's more to experience of him, more intimacy, more love, more grace, more joy, more peace, more purity, more righteousness, more treasures of wisdom and knowledge in Christ, as, two, as Colossians 2 says. More power, more glory. There's more to experience of him. There's more of this upward call that we're going to experience that Jesus is our great reward. In pre-service prayer this morning, we were praying, and uh, a number of, uh, of the team had uh, Psalm 16. And in Psalm 16, you know, as a word for this morning, and in Psalm 16, it says something like, Lord, you are my portion, and you are my cup. The boundary lines have fallen in pleasant places for me, and you are my inheritance. God is our inheritance. He says to Abraham, he said, Abraham, just after Abraham had res rescued uh, Lot and, and, and the uh, inhabitants of Sodom and Gomorrah, and he rescued them from the kings, and he brought back all the treasure, and the, the king of Sodom said to him in Genesis chapter 14, uh, 15, he says to him, look, let, I'll give you all of the gold and all of the silver, just give me the people. And Abraham says, no, no, I'm not going to take anything from you unless you say that uh, I made Abraham rich. And so he gives away this reward, and in fact, he then gives 10% of what he gets for, to Melchizedek, the, the high priest, which Hebrews says is a picture of Jesus. Uh, and, and, and he gives it all away. And Jesus, uh, and the, the father, the very next verse in chapter 15, I believe it is, he says, Abraham, I am your shield. I am your treasure. I am your exceedingly great reward. All the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are found in Christ Jesus. All the treasures that we could experience. And so we're pressing in for more of God. Paul says this one thing, you know, David says in Psalms, he says, this one thing I ask for, one thing I seek, that I would dwell in the house of the Lord forever. But, but we, have been, we have become the house of the Lord in the new covenant in Christ Jesus. We are now temples, the dwelling place of the Holy Spirit. So what Paul says is there's one thing, the new one thing, the one thing that we're pressing on for, which is really the old one thing, is that we would experience God more and more, that we would come into this place of relationship and intimacy and fellowship together. So what does that look like to experience more of God? It actually means for us to dedicate our lives to him. One of the things that uh, I love to do, Ash and I love to do per, uh, sp per sporadically, periodically, is to, um, as the Lord brings it to our mind, is to actually go through all of our possessions and just dedicate ourselves again to the Lord. You know, at the start of this, of this 2021, you know, it's to say to him, Lord, I give you my time, I give you myself, I give you my energy, I give you my body, my soul, my emotions, my, t my taste, my, my smell, my sight, my, my, my hands, my feet. I give you all of myself to be you, for you to use as your glory, for your glory. Hebrews, Jesus, speaking of, him, uh, of speaking of Jesus, it says, sacrifices and offerings you have not desired, but one thing you have God given me, a body you have prepared for me. Here I am to do your will. And so that we're to dedicate all of our life and our energy, not just ourselves, but our possessions, our, our, our money, our finances, our cars, our houses, our um, musical instruments, whatever it is that we, that we possess, that we have, that is actually given to us by God for us, for him to work his way through us, to fulfill his purpose through us. And so we dedicate our life, our possessions to him, but not just to dedicate our possessions, but to dedicate our relationships, our kids, our husbands, our wives, our, our, our friends, to dedicate our entire life to him as an act of worship. The spiritual act of worship that the Father talks about, or Paul says in Romans chapter 12, is that we offer up our bodies as living sacrifices to him. This is an acceptable and pleasing 
thing to do in the Father's sight. So I want to invite you to stand. There's going to be a little bit of up and down this morning because I feel like we, should, we need to just respond to God. To offer up ourselves as instruments of righteousness. To offer up, offer up our bodies as living sacrifices. To offer up our time and our energy and our possessions and our finances and everything that we've got. So that's, a, that's actually a, a transaction that needs to happen between you and the Lord. Okay? It's not something that I can do for you. It's certainly not something I want to force you to do. Because there's no glory in that. And um, you know, you're free, you're powerful, you can do what God puts in your heart to do. But if you feel stirred this, this morning at the start of 2021 where God's saying to us, press on for the upward call, then part of our response is, okay, Lord, I'm pressing in and therefore I'm dedicating my life to you. So if you'd like to do that, just go ahead and do that. It's pretty st- simple, it's pretty straightforward. Just, you know, what I would do, what I do is just to say, Lord, I dedicate myself to you. I give you my time. I give you my energy. And I just go through all of the different dimensions of my life. All of my possessions that the Lord puts in my mind. All of my successes. All of my failures. All of my freedom. All of my joy. All of my peace. All of my wisdom. I surrender it to you. And so we just go through the list. Lord, I surrender myself to you. I honor, I honor you. I dedicate my life to you for your glory. And I want to press in for more of you. I want to press in for more of you. I want to press in for more of you. And it's not not just, therefore, more of God through intimacy and through love, which, of course, we want you to have more purity and righteousness, more of the treasures of wisdom and knowledge in Christ. There's more, also more power and glory. That when we dedicate ourselves to him, he, and we give our focus to him, we become a focal point for his glory. And he releases to us more miracles, signs, wonders, prophecy, words of knowledge, more accuracy and all of that. So take a moment to dedicate yourself to him. If you have a business, dedicate your business to him. If you have customers, if you have, you know, dedicate everything that you do, your personnel, your your clients, your employees, dedicate it to Jesus. We dedicate this church again to you, Lord. You are the senior leader, the senior pastor of this church. You are the head of the church. You're Lord over all things and we dedicate ourselves to you. One of the words that Rochelle had last week was about playing our cards right. If you play your cards right, if you have a good hand in poker, what do you do? You You go all in. You put your chips across the table. You push it all in and you say, Lord, I'm all in. You, know, say, you say, in the, in the game of poker, you say, I'm all in. So this moment, if you want to, just push your chips across the table to the Lord. This is a dedication moment to say, Lord, we're all in to experience you. Press in, press on, press up for the goal. The upward call of Christ. Okay, you can take a seat. You know, I personally like to say things out loud. Not that you have to, but those kind of things as you dedicate to, to him it is to uh, just confess it out loud. Let, let, let the atmosphere hear your words. So arise, press on, shake, uh, awaken up, wake up, go on for the upward call. Don't shrink back, don't quit, don't hold back. Press on for more is the first thing that Paul Uh, that we're saying, the prophets are saying, we're hearing for 2021, there's more to experience of God. And that makes me excited. Because if 
Colossians 2, I think it's in verse 3, it says, In Christ are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And it's the glory of kings, Proverbs says. To, to, uh, it's the glory of God to hide things, but it's the glory of kings to search them out. That actually, that God has given us glory to search out the treasures of wisdom and knowledge in Christ Jesus. So the next point that, I, that kind of relates to that is that we are to have eyes up to focus upon Jesus. You know, one of the things that we have been called is uh, a, a royal priesthood. In fact, if we turn to uh, 1, Peter, 1 Peter chapter 2, 1 Peter chapter 2, it says this. Peter's writing to the, to the, the, uh, the Christians that are around the nations, particularly of the, of the Jewish faith. Um, but the, yeah, the exiles, but he, it applies to us as well in verse 9 of 1 Peter chapter 2. He says this, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. And so the next, the next thing that God's saying to us as a community is keep pressing in to worship, to keep ministering to the Lord. We have a royal priesthood. So let me just take the priesthood first, that, that we are called to be priests, therefore, that minister to God. The, the, the job of a priest in the Old Testament was first and foremost to stand before the presence of the Lord and to minister to him, to minister Worship to minister according to God's purpose and God's plan, God's way to minister to Him, to give God the worth, the worth, the honor, the the glory that was due His name, and then to be a mediator between us, between God and people all around us. But our first call as priests is to serve and to minister to God. That is your call. That is what God has put in your, you know, a primary call to put in your life is that you would minister to God first and foremost. So minister through worship, minister through your song, minister through your words, minister through your actions, minister through your devotion, that you would be someone that is surrendered and obedient to him, a fruit of lips that honor his name, as we've just done laying down our agenda. Press in for more, minister to the Lord. There's this quote that the Lord has been reminding me of uh, again recently of a, a guy called Walter Butner who was a, a minister in the 60s, 50s, 60s and the Lord would wake him up in the middle of the night and give him a message that he would preach you know, and he, he was very disciplined in the way that he lived his life and what he did with his time and the Lord said to him this, if you build me a house of devotion, I will build you a house of manifestation. In other words, if you focus on me, I'll, you will become a focal point for my glory. If you experience my glory, I will meet you with my glory and then I will send you with my glory. And so we're called to worship him, which, what does that look like? Well, for me, it's about creating room in my day. It's, quite, it's about creating room in my life, not necessarily just a one fixed moment in my life or in my day, which although I love to do that, I love to get up early and to um, create room in my morning schedule before I have to go to meetings or do whatever, to actually be in a place where I can sit and minister to the Lord. And that can look like different things for different people. It can look like different things for me in different days, right? It could look like, in, you know, one of the, my favorite things to do is just to sit in silence and to just turn my heart and my affection to Jesus, and try and empty out my thoughts and you know, other things that kind of come crowding in and just keep focusing in, maybe having a scripture that I'm meditating, chewing on that word and just allowing the glory of God to, 
to you know, overwhelm me and for me to give my worship back to him. So it's like, oh, Jesus, I worship you. I honor you. I love you. And I just sit in, my, in the quiet of just, you know, to encounter and experience God. I heard uh, somebody liken it to this, the, you know, this once. It's like, you know, a baby, when you see a baby nursing on a mother's breast, when the, before the milk flows, the baby just needs to kind of suck a little bit and then the milk flows. And then the, when the milk stops flowing, the baby starts sucking again and the milk starts to flow again. Worship is a little like that. Sitting in his presence is to just start to say, Jesus, I worship you and I honor you. And then we feel his presence and we experience that sense of oh, awe and majesty where we're not saying anything, but we're just experiencing that place of wonder. And then as it begins to dissipate, we start to just worship again and say, oh, Jesus, you're just so beautiful and I love your grace and your kindness. And all of a sudden we experience that. We get in this rhythm and this flow of experiencing and encountering God, to adore him, to experience him, to minister to him, to, to, to love him. What, are your, what, what room are you creating in your own life? You know, one of the things, though, that I, the Lord's been challenging me on is not just to have a quiet time, if you like, in the morning, but actually to begin to learn how to experience worship throughout the day. And to experience worship, you know, when we, you know, uh, the other day we were going shopping, you know, and f clothes shopping is not my most favorite thing to do. You know, it's a necessary thing to do sometimes. And, you know, as a, you know, Ash and I, we're not, we're not super excited about it. I think I'm probably less excited about it than Ash is. She, if, if I'm not less excited, I certainly have less stamina. And, you know, but, you know, so I'm in the store. Huh? Press on. Press on, exactly. I'm in the store. You know, I'm in, uh, you know, wherever it was, and I'm sort of now, I've looked through, the, you know, my 30-second cursory glance. I can't find anything, and so I'm waiting for Ash, who's got a little bit more stamina. And the Holy Spirit just starts to speak to me and say, okay, take this moment to worship. And I'm turning my, just learning to turn my affections to him and to speak to him and, and to tell him how much I love him. And then just wait in his presence. Don't you love to wait in his presence? To sit before him, to give him worship and devotion. Sometimes I... I sing for the sake of everyone else. I don't sing very much. <laughs> Amen, Jonathan says, yeah. Sometimes I'm just, you know, it's in prayer and I find myself praying and I find myself just asking the Lord for, for things, asking for, you know, for, for the church, for what he's doing in the nations, just pressing in for that prayer. But mostly it's just pressing in for worship. It's my priestly call to minister to him to give him the honor that's due his name, to give him a sacrifice that he's worthy of, to experience him that he, it's like a fragrant offering to him, right? Well, one of the Psalms says, it says, um, you know, may my prayers be like incense, the lifting up of my hands as a fragrant evening sacrifice. So worship Jesus, focus on worshiping him, eyes up. We've had plenty of opportunity in this last year, particularly through the virus pandemic, through the, um, through the, the, you know, the racism and the things that as a nation we've been uh, experiencing uh, and the, the, you know, the protests and, uh, and then through the elections and through um, even over the last few weeks with what was going on in the capital and the, and the handover and all of that stuff. We've had plenty of opportunity to be uh, in a place where our eyes are on the earth realm and we wobble. That's a technical term. The wobbling is, uh, oh, 
I don't know what is going on. And we focus so much upon our earth realm that we get into the place where we start to be fearful. We start to worry. We start to um, uh, be uh, upset with other people. We start to see other people with different opinions and we start telling them that they should be thinking like us or we start you know, casting stones or whatever it might be. We start becoming suspicious. With the virus, we kind of tend to maybe even back off from people because we're worried about that. You know, there's plenty of opportunity to actually have our eyes focused upon the earth realm. And the thing about focusing on the earth realm is there's no savior that comes from the earth realm. Philippians chapter 3, verse 20, it says that we focus our eyes, uh, no, we are, sorry, we are citizens of heaven, and we are, from there we are awaiting a Savior. And so there's nothing like worship. When I worked for, um, to, sorry, to get your eyes up on Jesus, when I worked as an accountant, I worked in England and Australia for 15 years as, as a, an accountant, sometimes you know, working up to 80 hours a week, and I'm so glad I don't have to do that anymore. Um, but there would be so you know, uh, but there would be these moments where you just feel completely undone. You feel spent. You feel like the world is caving in. The world, you know, you don't have any energy. You don't have any anything to give. There's nothing that's going on in your life that you feel is good. You just feel like you're literally dragging yourself. You know, maybe on a Sunday morning, I had moments where I'd literally drag myself in to church to this serve, to a meeting. Um, but then in that moment where I'm, ex- you know, when worship starts and you start to experience God or in the morning when I'm on my own in my time with Jesus and we start, I start to worship and all of a sudden I come out of the earth realm, out of the realm of this is all the things that are going on around me. This is all the pain that I experience. This is my physical limitations. And I step up. The Jesus, Jesus brings me up in the spirit into the realm of heaven. And all of a sudden my eyes are focused upon him and the things of this world become strangely dim. You know, when you're in an airplane traveling at 37, 38,000 feet, everything down below feels pretty small. So eyes up. Eyes up. Pour out your heart before him. And the thing about worship is it causes us to stay humble because we see ourselves as we really are. We see ourselves as... We're created by the Creator. We're loved by the friend of sinners. We are the chief of sinners, saved by grace. Everything we've achieved and accomplished is good, that is good, is from God. And it's in that place of worship we get to cast our crowns before Him. When we feel, when we're aware of our successes, we cast our crowns. We say, Lord, that is from you. And we remember that Jesus is gentle and humble of heart. So press in for worship, not just on Sunday mornings. But our ambition, my desire for each one of us is that we have incredible times of, of encounter with God and that we, when we come into this Sunday meeting, we are already so full of the presence of the Lord because we've been worshiping him all the way through our days. So Revelation 3.20 says this, Behold, this is Jesus talking to the church that was lukewarm. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and eat with him and he with me. So there's a door that the Lord is at our hearts. He's knocking at our hearts in 2021, saying, look, I'm standing at the door and knocking. So there's opportunity right there. The Lord is, 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 is knocking on all of our hearts. He's saying, are you going to be the ones that open the door? I'm standing and knocking. Then there's is the invite, if anyone hears my voice. The invitation is, are we going to be ones that hear his voice? The call, the upward call, the draw into the secret place and then to open the door with him. And when we open the door with him, which is our response, what happens is he comes and dines with us. 
There's fellowship that happens. There's so much that happens in our household over a meal together. One of the things that we love to do and prioritize is eating together as a family because it's a place of connection. It's a place of experience. It's a place of sharing hearts. It's a place of talking about what's been going on and, uh, and helping bring some perspective. Or It's a place of, of thinking bigger and about what God's got for us. And that's what Jesus wants for us this year is to dine with him and him to dine with us to bring us into that greater realm of his glory. And I love it when we move to Revelation 4, is that after that very invitation of I'm standing at the door and knock, knocking, a door in heaven opens and John sees that door and the voice says, come up higher. And that place of intimacy that brings us into that place of higher perspective. The third thing that I feel like God was saying to us is to remember our identity. We are heavenly citizens. We are citizens not of this world, not of this, just this, this nation. I'm, I mean, I'm not a citizen of this nation. I'm a citizen of Australia and of England. We're working towards this. Actually, 2021 will be the year that we can become citizens of this nation. And I'm, we're excited about that. But our citizenship is not of this world. Our citizenship, first and foremost, is of heaven. And so, therefore, we're to remember our identity that we're kingdom citizens, that we are not just a priesthood, but we are a royal priesthood, a royal priesthood so that is therefore a kingly, we're kings and priests. And so the king dimension, the, 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 sorry, let me back up. The priest dimension is to minister and serve God. The kingly dimension is from that place of serving God to actually start to minister and bring life to those around us and to serve those around us. And so we are, have a heavenly identity. We're not to live in titles. We're not to live by our accolades we're not to live by the you know our business or our politics or our our church or our good sense of our good works or our religion we're to live out of our heavenly citizenship which is given to us by the grace of Jesus and you know part of that heavenly citizenship remember Erica last week she said we're going to be known by one title and one title alone and that title is bride that place of intimacy you know, as I said, for Ash and I, you know, sitting around at the dinner table is one of the highlights of our day with our family. But there's also something about being married that there's, there's a place of, of, of not just intimacy and, and joy and, and love and fruitfulness that comes out of that intimacy in our union. But there's also a place of, 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 of living together, about strategy, uh, about, you know, talking about our family, planning for the future, discussing our lives, working on our relationships, spending time with each other. That there's, there's, that, there's that dimension of a husband and wife that isn't just all love and excitement, but there's actually a sense of we're called to bring the next generation up. What, how are we doing with that? How are we stewarding our finances? How are we stewarding it in our hearts? How are we stewarding the relationships in the family? What are we going to do you know, this year? What, what's going to happen this year? What are we hoping for? What are we believing for? There's all those things that go on in, in that family realm. A couple of weeks ago, it was Ash's birthday. And uh, we took the day, I took the day off pretty much, well, most of the day off. We had a meeting in the morning that we couldn't get out of. But, you know, we went to um, Fount Coffee just down the road. We, we love Fount. It's one of the few good coffee shops that seems to be open, which, you know, has indoor seating, which in time of, this time of year is good. I don't know why I'm plugging them, but anyway. Anyway, we're sitting, we're sitting at Fount and we're talking, you know, the question is, okay, what's, what are you hoping for for this year? What are you expecting for this year? What are you looking to achieve this year? That's what husband and wife do, do right? And so think about that in our own relationship with Jesus. If we are the bride of Christ 
and he is our bridegroom, which is what the Bible says, that actually, therefore, our, the, our title of bride doesn't just mean that, we, that he loves us, but actually he draws us into his planning room. He draws us into his strategy center. He draws us into his thought life, and he says, hey, church, individual, Murray, Ash, whatever, I, this is on my heart this year. What are we going to do about it together? How are we going to partner together? How, what does it look like to be as a husband and a wife with the, the Jesus and the church to actually partner together, together for our businesses, for our uh, finances, for our economy, for, uh, for this world, for our cities, for the problems that we have in our, in our cities? What does it look like to actually be the bride that sits at the dinner table in a place of intimacy with the bridegroom and works on this heaven's strategy for the area, the, the sphere of influence that God has given us. When was the last time you sat down at your proverbial kitchen table dining with Jesus and Jesus started to unload to you a strategy for your business? You know, we heard a lot this last, uh, last week about the transfer of wealth. You know, about how the, the, gen, you know, the Lord wants to bring the, the wealth of the Gentiles into the church. Well, part of that, part of the way that he's going to do that is actually to sit with us and to give us those strategies. And so part of that bridal thing is that we are talking, therefore, about asking God's perspective. And if you remember Erica, she talked about ask kingdom questions. What is a kingdom question? Well, it's asking questions to find out what God's perspective is on things, right? And so a, que a kingdom question is this, God, what are you excited about today? Because, you know, he's always got good pleasure. He's always got a plan and a purpose. He's always got a sense of, I know what I'm doing, and nothing in this world is going to knock me off that path. In fact, he, uh, Psalm 16 says there's joy in his presence, right? And so that place of joy is to experience God and to say, okay, Lord, what are you excited about today? Because he's always full of joy. And we can ask him that question, and we can hear, Lord, what are you excited about? That is a kingdom question. Another kingdom question is, what am I known as in heaven? What's my name in heaven? How do you see me? When you and the angels discuss me, what do you think about me? And if you hear some things that, you know, are a bit negative, then just ask him, will Jesus, will the true Jesus please talk to me? Because Jesus doesn't ever speak to us in the negative. He might bring correction, but it always comes in a place of love. And so, that's a kingdom, another kingdom question is this, what is my purpose? What are the good works that you've created me to do in my union with Christ Jesus? Ephesians 2.10. What are those good works? What is my purpose? Another kingdom question, what does the transfer of wealth look like in my life? What business change do I need to make to see my wealth grow? What stock do you want me to invest in? How much do you want me to invest in? How do I increase the storehouse that you've called me to increase? What am I spending my money on that you want to realign? Kingdom questions to line ourselves up with the Father's heart and God's perspective. That's part, to me, that's part of being the bride. It's to sit with the groom and to ask him questions. So in that place of intimacy, and that's why worship is so key, because these, are, these questions come out of a place of intimacy. The answers get, we respond, we hear from God. He starts to release to us strategy and wisdom. I heard of just recently the Holy Spirit gave uh, an individual uh, an idea. He gave him a stock to buy, and he turned that stock into uh, in literally almost a million dollars in three months. Like something like 500 
you know, 5,000 to a million in like three months, you know. I'm like, okay, Lord. Now you're all interested, aren't you? That's a kingdom question right there. Not for me, not necessarily just so that I can feather my own pockets, but because you've called me to be a kingdom resource distribution, distribution center. You've called us as a church to be a distribution center. You know, the wealth of the nations is coming in, not just for our, not so that we can be super wealthy, but actually because we've been given a kingly anointing to actually mediate between God and man and to release heaven's strategy to take care of the people that God's given to us. And so what does it look like to ask those questions? Well, it's to sit with the Father, to ask him those kind of questions, and you come up with your own questions. I've just given you a few primers. And to listen to his voice. If you don't know how to listen to his voice, uh, we learned from Mark Verkler very four key simple things to listen to God's voice. First thing is to fix our eyes upon Jesus. The second thing is to quieten ourselves down. The third thing is just to tune into that spontaneous flow. And the fourth thing is just to write it down, right? Focus on Jesus, quieten ourselves down, tune into that flow and then write it down. And we begin to hear the still small voice of God speaking to us and giving us the answers to those kingdom questions. Again, I want to just encourage you, the sum of all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are found in Jesus Christ. And so, therefore, because we're the bride, there's one more thing that we need to do is actually to love each other. There's just too much going on in this world at the moment of Christians fighting against each other. I'm not sure how we're going to get revival if we don't actually like each other. I'm not sure how we're going to bring about the kingdom of God uh, and the righteousness that he wants to bring if we're stabbing each other in the back, if we're fighting with each other, if we're calling each other names. And so Jesus, in John 13, 34, my, um, he says this, a new command I give you, you're to love one another. And so you think that command, well, yeah, that's good. I, I like that. I can love one another. And I can particularly like the people that are like me. That's really good. I, I'm happy with, like, you know, with loving one another. And I, I can bring my own standard of what it means to love. Uh, and then he goes on to say this, just as I have loved you, love one another. And then we realize we're in big trouble. Because the standard has gone from your view of love to Jesus' demonstration of love. And what is that demonstration of love? That demonstration of love is kindness, goodness, gentleness, peace. Not calling each other, you know, not, not writing each other off. You know, I was thinking about Peter when he says, you know, Jesus says, who do people say I am? And Peter says, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. And he kind of gets his revelation. And then he, Jesus starts talking about how in Matthew 16, about how he's going to be crucified and, you know, die, die and suffer. And Peter's like, never, Lord, that shall never happen to you. And Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. Those are pretty strong words. But rather than saying, get behind me, Satan, and then walking away from Peter, despite Peter's shortcomings and failures, despite the fact that people did, Peter didn't get it, he still says to him, he still carries on loving him, bringing him in. When, he failed, when Peter fails him, when he, doesn't, um, you know, when he denies him three times, what does Jesus do? He restores him. He doesn't write him off. Love covers a multitude of sins. And so as we're looking to this year, what I want you to do, what I, I strongly encourage you to do is to look and to meditate on how Jesus loves us because that is the standard. A couple more scriptures. In John, 1 John um, chapter 4, verse 8, John says this, if we do not love one another, 
we do not know God. Because God is love. And then he goes on to take it even further in 1 John 4.20 and he says, if you do not love your brother, you cannot love God. And so part of being the bride is realizing that actually the person that is next to you is also the bride. The person that's on social media that is a believer but has a different persuasion or is saying some different things to you and you want to write them off, they're also the bride of Christ. They're also one with Jesus. Jesus has already paid the price for them. And we're to love each other in the same way that Jesus loved us. Unconditionally, limit, without limit. Without writing, us, without writing us off, without putting us down, being patient, believing all things, bearing all things, hoping all things, enduring all things, never failing us. His patience and his kindness and his goodness. And that feels like an absolute monumental task. I don't know about you, but just being real. When I see some people uh, saying certain things or I see certain people that I know, you know, posting certain things or, you know, I, I see some of the anger and some of the violence and some of the hatred that's coming out of some of the church, it kind of makes me feel like I don't want to love the bride because sometimes the bride feels a little stinky and a little ugly, if I'm honest. And then I see that the stink and the ugliness is actually on the inside of me too. And I realize that actually I need more of the Holy Spirit. I need to press in for more of God. I need, to, I need to press in in worship. I need in that place of intimacy to experience the Holy Spirit pouring his love upon me. And then I need to remember that I am called to a kingdom that is not of this world, that we are citizens altogether of this kingdom and that therefore we're to love each other. But I have the power of the Holy Spirit on the inside to help me. So let me summarize this church family for this year. Press on for more. Press on for the upward call. There's more of God. There's more of his word. There's more of his life. There's more of his power. There's more of his glory to experience. Remember your identity. You are the bride of Christ. You are citizens of heaven. Live a life worthy of that calling by pressing in. Take Jesus, take worship as your first priority. And worship him in spirit and in truth. Worship him with your life. Worship him with your time. And press in in worship. Press in for the kingdom questions, that kingdom identity that he wants to release to you. Press in for love, that we would love the bride of Christ, that we would love each other. Press in for more. You know, a great way that you can do that, to, practice, to put all of that into practice, is to join a connect group. A place where you get to have the rubber meets the road of relationships with individuals. A place where you get to experience God, be committed to one another, and, and love the world around you. So I want to encourage you, join a connect group, be part of that. But I want you to invite you to stand. There's a couple of things I think we want, to, I want us to do. First, I think, I feel like the Lord's saying to us that we are to, we are to repent for getting our identity from the wrong places. 
And when we've done that, we actually want to ask the Lord for grace to, to commit ourselves to loving him. So let's start here, though, with repenting from getting our identity from other things. So I want to invite you, it just looks like this, just allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you. Just to ask him, Holy Spirit, where have I got my identity it's from, from in the places that are not actually from you? Maybe it's your title, maybe it's your job. Maybe it's how much money you've got in the bank account. Maybe it's your polit- politics and your, you know, your political persuasion. Maybe it's your status in the community. Maybe it's your nationality. Maybe it's your religious belief. Maybe it's your success. Maybe it's your failure. What is it that you've put your identity in? Just take a moment. Allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you about that. So I just want to invite you just to hold up your hands if you're in here or watching online just as a kind of a heart posture of surrender to the Lord. So Holy Spirit, right now, as your children, as your bride, we just yield to you. Yes, Lord. We yield. We, we put aside any fight to prove who we are. And we just yield, Holy Spirit, to you. We welcome your presence right now. Yeah. Holy Spirit, we repent. If you want to just say this, just say, Lord, I repent. Lord, I repent, Lord, I repent for any ungodly identity that I have walked in. Lord, I repent for walking in, a, in the earthly kingdom, the earthly realm. Lord, in my identity. Lord, I repent for for being um, caught up in the world system. Lord, I repent for walking in judgment towards my brothers and sisters or even those in the world who don't know you. Lord, I repent of that. Lord, I repent for for, for ha- feeling like I have to fight to get my voice heard. Lord, I repent for, for having to feel like I shout with my words or my actions to prove who I am. Yeah. Lord, I let go of that. Lord, I repent for feeling like I have to be right all the time. Lord, I repent of that, of, of like putting truth even above love. Lord, I repent of that right now. Holy Spirit, thick in your presence, Lord. Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, thick in your presence, Lord. Lord, I repent for walking in a spirit of criticism. Lord, I repent for taking offence, Lord, that is not mine to take. Lord, I repent for being prideful. Lord, I repent 
for any idols in my heart. I repent for looking to man or looking to a system to give me the life that I I feel you've you've given to me. I repent for putting anyone or anything above you, Jesus. And Lord, I ask for your forgiveness. Just ask the Lord for his forgiveness. Lord, would you forgive me? And Lord, I I forgive myself. I receive your forgiveness and I forgive myself. I let go and leave all of that stuff behind me. And Holy Spirit, right now I breathe in your forgiveness. It's as simple as that. He, as, as, as we confess our sins, He is faithful yes. to forgive us. And He removes our sins as far as the east is from the west. So right now, Father, I stand and I breathe in Your forgiveness and I receive it. And I thank You that You have removed every bit of it from me right now. Yes, in Jesus' name. Thank You, Lord. And if you feel comfortable with this, I feel like I just want to finish with a prophetic act. So if you have a mask, you want to put the mask on if you want to. But what I'd love to do, I just have this sense of needing to lock arms with each other. And this sense of we're together. We're standing with each other. You know, we're going to stir each other on to love and good deeds. Hebrews chapter 10. And that we're going to love each other. I, I want to invite you actually, just, I, I just feel like there's a, let's come out from behind the chairs. Yeah. I want to invite you to come forward. If you're not comfortable to lock arms, that's completely okay. You can just come and stand at a bit of a distance. There's no pressure, but I just feel like there's like a prophetic kind of declaration. We as the body of Christ, we as the army of God, we as the bride, we as His kids, part of his family we're going to be in the place of unity where that where we dwell together in unity and that from that place it commands the blessing of God yeah thank you Holy Spirit 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 it's just a declaration of standing shoulder to shoulder yeah Pressing in for more. Yeah, if you're in your living room, just stand with someone else. If you're in your car, just imagine that you're with us. Stand with us. (laughs) Link my arm in the electronically. Yeah. So Jesus, we surrender to you right now. Yes, Lord. We yield to you, the King of kings, the Lord Lord of lords. Yes, Lord. You are the head of the church. And we as your body, we as your bride, we yield and surrender our lives. We surrender everything that we have, all that we do, all that we are to you. And we say, Jesus, that we as your body will stand together. We commit to working through the difficult things as a body, Lord, this year. We say we will be, we will walk the road of humility at whatever cost. And I know that's a dangerous prayer, but Lord, (laughs) I want that. Yes. Lord, we want that. I feel like you just need to start praying that out now. Just start speaking it out now. Be bold. Lord, we declare 
that we will submit to You and You alone and we will love one another with the love that we receive, that we have received and we continue to receive You. We acknowledge our weakness. We acknowledge our tendency to look down and to look, stay in the earthly realm. But we recognise right now that we are citizens of heaven, that we are Your kids and You have made us one. So Jesus, make us one. Let Your oneness, let our union with You manifest amongst each other in the body of Christ, in Jesus' Name. And we declare that that's the place of blessing. Lord, let Your blessing flow down upon us as a body. Yes. And we will consider how to stir each other up to love and good deeds. Yes, Lord. Thank You, Lord. Amen. Amen. Amen.